Hello, and welcome to the final Cartel Aristocrats cast of 2017. This cast, as always, is sponsored by CoolStuffInc.com and GatheringMagic.com. Your number one place to buy Magic the Gathering singles, Magic the Gathering accessories, and you can catch up, catch up on some sweet articles on GatheringMagic.com with a sweet 30% BIOS bonus in person or 25% BIOS bonus online. CoolStuffInc.com is the store for all of your Magic the Gathering needs. I'm joined this week, of course, with my co-host, Egregious Eclectic Ed. Talented, tenacious Travis. And Jim. And I'm Jeremy. And welcome to the last episode of Cartel Aristocrats cast for the year. Sorry, guys. sorry. I'm using one F bomb. The fuck, man. The fuck. <laughs> sorry, I'm going to use two. My bad. Announcing Jovial. Jaunty. Jim! All right, you happy now? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that was better. Well, thanks for tuning in, guys. We finally made it. Another year is wrapped up. It would have yeah, been I'm better if you went announcing Jovial and then just said your own name, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, we finally got through another year. And we promised our listeners that uh, responded to us on Twitter or various other social media websites that we would uh, we would sum up the year. We would answer some of their questions about the entire cast, and uh, we'll get into that. So if you guys just sort of want to go down the line, talk about how 2017 turned out for you know some of your predictions based on the spreadsheet, which can be accessed on our Twitter account still, on cartel underscore finance and some of the stuff you've picked. Uh, general trends for modern, old school legacy and commander for 2017, and uh, what you're expecting for 2018. Um, and again, our spreadsheet is still public, and it's pinned on cartel underscore finance. So since Ed never prepares for anything, I figured it would be a good idea for Ed to start looking at his picks first and explain what went right and what went wrong, and then talk about uh, the year in general. Uh, wait. Oh, never mind. Go ahead. Sorry, never mind. Uh, well, I think for the most part, the strategy of picking standard mythics has worked out pretty well. Uh, most of the mythics I pick, I generally pick when they're kind of at low. I never advocate for buying into mythic at <clears throat> at presale or when it's spiking. For the most part, um, they've been more or less bottomed out when I've picked them. So. A lot of them have been have been roughly like break even, or they've done well briefly, and then before they kind of stabilize. Uh, like right now, I, I definitely remember picking uh, Verder's Gear Hulk twice. Um, there was a time when obviously they're much higher than they are now. Right now, they've kind of bottomed out. They're like three to four dollars mainly because the counters deck hasn't really done well. But I think a few of them. I think I called. Uh, I called Chandra when she was about 18 to 20. Um, that's done pretty well. Uh, <clears throat> Hazret, I called that it would be a pretty decent pick if a red deck would emerge with our devastation. That happened. Hazret is way up. I think I picked it when it was about $5 or so. Um, a lot of masterpieces. I was on the masterpiece uh, hype chain for a while. A lot of them have also come back down. But if you were able to get them uh, when they were 
pre-spiked, you you could flip them pretty quickly for a decent uh, return, or you have been able to get them probably like twenty percent cheaper than they are now. Uh, and if you bought Bitcoin last week, you have done very very well for yourself this week. But I don't need to really quote more about that here. Um, Some other notable picks by Ed. He called Etherworks Marvel at four dollars. He called Traverse the Uvenwald at two and a half dollars. He called Grim Flayer at twenty point five dollars, and he called Kozlux Return at seven. Uh, An Angel of Sanctions at seven as well. So uh, no, and Fatal Push at Fatal Push at nine and a half, which is uh, that's up there. There's a there's definitely been some bits of bust. Like I thought Angel Sanctions would have been a little bit better. It does see some play, but like right now it's like three dollars. I don't really expect it to go anywhere at this point. Um, that was probably one of the errors that, that I think that's just one of the costs of trying to buy in too early. Um, like it can be picked up way cheaper now, and I don't really expect it to go much higher. Fatal Push is definitely a card that I definitely see rebounding. It, it it just sees so much play in older formats, modern uh, and legacy. A lot of creatures have to kind of pass the Fatal Push test, similar to how there's a Lightning Bolt test, there's a Path to Exile test, etc. Um, I do think Fatal Push will continue to go up. It's definitely gone up uh, now that you can no longer get the Fatal Push promos. That was back in September, I think. Um, uh, so among others. So... It hasn't been all all great, my picks, I'll admit, but I think I was more focused on trying to look at it from perspective of, if you're wanting to play standard, these are the cards that could potentially see playing standard, and if you think that they'll be playable in the future, buy them now type thing. Um, so what uh, are some general trends then that you noticed in 2017 when it came to overall subsections of the market? Uh, it's definitely been a rougher year for Magic. Uh, I think probably the second half was pretty rough. I think it, it all kind of started back with Modern Masters 2017, uh, which the set turned out to be pretty good. Uh, the like obviously it was very popular with like fetches, blood moons, Lily on the Veil, Snapcast of Ages. There are a lot of staples that did very well for people, and then it's definitely rebounded since then. And kind of that follows largely the trajectory of many other master sets. Um, but it's kind of felt like since then, uh, magic has kind of been a rough spot. There's been a lot of sets starting with basically Amonkhet. It felt like it just felt like there was just, there was just set after set after set. Um, and a lot of, a lot of weird changes, uh, iconic masters coming so soon after, uh, modern masters earlier this year was a little strange. We get to see the effect of a... Uh, expand of of a set that has no masterpiece and what that does to prices, and it was more or less what we predicted. A lot of staples are finishing up a little higher than they would have previously. The lands are roughly like three to five dollars, um, whereas I imagine they would probably be closer to like the one to three dollar range, similar to where the Emiket lands are. If masterpiece were in the set, <clears throat> I think Ixlan, um people probably opened less Ixlan for singles than before. So uh, there wasn't quite as many flying the market. Um, Ixlan also felt like a slightly weaker set, so that might be a big contributing factor to why people didn't open as much. But um, right now we're still kind of in a rough spot. Like Icock Masters, it just it just feels like it continues to tank. Um, we're still able to order directly from Wizards, which is something that hasn't happened before. Usually by this time it's out of stock. 
And now like all our distributors, they just have so much on their shelves or trying to push it on us. Hey, do you want to take more? Not really. No, we still have some of it sitting around. The singles have done well, but the sealed product has been a little slow to move and it's not really worth the effort uh, because of how much variance there is in the set to just open it up for singles. All right. Let's get into, uh, let's get into where Jim's at with his picks for the year. Um, I mean, I had a couple of pretty good ones. Um, Glory Bringer, I think, was like one of the better ones I had this year, and uh, Carnage Tyrant during its pre-order price. But I'm not sure that long-term picks are necessarily very good anymore because of how often Wizards of the Coast is reprinting cards. And like, I know we had uh, Paul on the cast not too long ago, and he said like. Basically, the the fact that Thoughtseize got reprinted with the old art, like, really starts to break down some of the things that you could come to expect. Like, reprints generally had the most recent art or new art. They didn't go back and do old art again. And I'm, I'm not sure how much you can really gain by buying cards earlier than before. Um, so, I don't, I don't know. I've, I've always tried to say, you know, buy the stuff you're going to play with because that's the stuff you'll get the most value out of. Even if it goes down, you still played with it. So that's the most important thing, I think. And don't be so humble. I mean, you called a braid at 50 cents. You called champion of wits at $2. You called panharmonicon at $2. There was some good stuff in there this year for our listeners. I mean, yeah, that's true. But like a lot of the stuff, like I'm not sure. I'm not sure that there was like, I was, I was like, Oh man, this is the thing that nobody's gonna guess. Like, a braid should have been a pretty like easy thing to know is going to be more expensive. Like, just premier uncommon removal spells have the have the possibility of being two or three dollars relatively easily. And any thoughts on the general trends of twenty seventeen? Uh, I mean, there was a lot of reprints. There's a lot of sets that came out. Like. I think this is the smallest. I think this is the year I spent the least amount of money on Magic because there's just no reason to. Like, hype comes out and goes too quickly, and it's really hard to be excited about something long enough to even like want to buy it. Like at this point, I I bought like a couple of singles from Eternal Master or uh, Iconic Masters, I should say, and like a couple singles from from. Uh, Ixalan, and that's pretty much it. Like, I don't think I'm going to buy anything from Unstable. I don't think I'm going to buy anything from the Explorers of Ixalan. Like, there's just too much stuff, and I don't have any money for it. And I feel like that's a, a, a common theme that people are going to have. Like, thank God I don't play Standard anymore because I don't I don't know how people have money to do all of that and also like play casually if that's what they wanted to do. It's what I used to do. You know, I used to play. Commander on the weekends, or like when I'm not testing for uh, PBTQ or whatever, but cards are still pretty cheap. So I don't know. I feel like people should be excited and should be happy that they're less expensive. But at the same time, it's like hard to be excited about products when they come out so quickly. Uh, Travis, do you want to go over some of your uh, your glory and falls? No. Uh, I didn't look through the sheet because I don't think it's been updated since like September, right? It's been a little while. Uh, I assume that everything I told you to buy made you a lot of money. 
and that everyone, all of everything my co-host told you to buy was terrible. So, so that one, uh, no, I, I mean, Ed was right. The first half of this year was certainly seemed a lot better than the second half, uh, for magic in general. Um, I have been, I've done more in sales this year in magic than any other year. And it definitely feels like it slowed way down in the second half of the year and the general community perspective on the product sort of turned around. So, uh, modern seems to have really slowed to a crawl as well. Um, you know, you still see a little bit of movement over there. You know, the human stack that popped up a month ago, certainly got us interested in some stuff, but, uh, the format's just not at all what it used to be in terms of moving card prices. So, I mean, kudos to Wizards for developing, a, at, at this point, a very diversified format. I mean, it's it's basically legacy without the specter of the reserve list hanging over your head in terms of the fact that you can show up to any event with any deck and probably have a chance at winning. Um, and all the decks are pretty affordable for the most part. So that's great for them, but it's tough for us because it means there's less price volatility, uh, less new cards break in, less spikes, and even the pop, you know, a good deck is still only a couple percent of the metagame. So um, there's no dominating card to really rack up a price tag, which again is great for people who want to play Magic, a little tough for us. So now I'm kind of wondering if Wizards is going to be interested in looking out at the horizon, some of the other things they're going to be doing. Um, uh, basically, I think they've used up most of their equity in the modern master sets. Uh, you know, there's less and less time between the cards that were reprinted in the modern master set and their release in that set. So, um, curious to see what's on the horizon. But o overall, I think uh, I mean it was a pretty good year for me and Magic, and I think most of my picks were pretty solid. I don't think I led you guys astray very often overall at the very least i think you would have probably picked up 10 or 20 percent if you bought everything i told you to and if you managed to dodge some of them you probably could have double or tripled up yeah travis you had some really good bulk picks like uh martin stromgold i believe was like one of your big ones that you pushed for a while that uh finally paid off you caught a lot of masterpieces and swords Stromgold is definitely not paid good. off because I still have like 200 of them. So well, when I get rid of those, then you can tell me that they paid off. Sucks to suck. You called Sashiro the Anointed at $2 before it like uh, went up six times in value because uh, you called that around some snake stuff. Uh, you also called some stuff that didn't necessarily pan out like Earthbound Ravager, um, Kalidus Trader of Ghent, and Soulfire Grandmaster. But you know, you can't win everything. Uh, but if for the first nine months, it looks like Travis, you were up about 400%, which is uh, pretty good. And I still got pretty time good. on those other ones. Not everything <laughs> needed to jump this year. That was never a promise. All right, let's go back and uh, edit in the whole Travis promising thing. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, anything you want to note about anything else as far as your picks and trends? Wait, I'm sorry. Was that addressed to me directly? Yeah. Is there anything else that you want to add? about the trends you've seen or anything like that? Well, I guess trend wise, I was a lot more interested in cards for the first eight months of this year than I am today. The last month or two has felt like a real drag. It felt like it slowed down for the second half of the year. It feels like it's been slowing down and now it's getting tough to really be able to look out and find cards that I think are, are definitely worth it. I don't know. Maybe part of that could be the season. Um, and I don't know if you guys feel the same way. Kind of curious what your thoughts are, but it definitely seems, I mean, what was it like last week or the week before? I just didn't have a pick. I'm like, there was no cards that I was really eager to put my money into at the moment. So 
hopefully that will change because um, I don't want to do nothing. Yeah, uh, let's see. I called Idon of the Great Rebel at 450. <laughs> I called Garrick Apex Predator at nine dollars. Uh, <laughs> I called uh, Yadwin Afrid at 850, which spiked up to fifty dollars right after, like literally the day after. Uh, oh, Volres Stronghold at twenty dollars. Yeah, that seems like a good one. Uh, yeah, it's pretty, pretty, pretty good right there. Uh, are you just, so are also, you just like slamming the button as often as possible? Because like there was some kind I of like not confirm nor deny. Oh, okay, we should get uh, you for 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 your birthday. We should get you like one of those like easy buttons and just have it play that sound effect. Yeah, um, I was also up four hundred percent like Travis. Uh, we both continue to see very good growth in what we called. Because I think Travis and I were more focused on uh, long-term stuff over short-term stuff and stuff that had EDH playability and old school. And one of the crazy trends I saw is if you had invested in old school in January, you made a very good amount of money uh, towards September. And since Eternal Weekend, it sort of tailed off because uh, everyone had the cards that they needed to get last minute for all the old school tournaments. And now we're into that general decline of magic prices until next year. Uh, crypto is becoming very big with magic people. A lot of players are taking Bitcoin for cards and Ethereum for cards and Litecoin for cards, and we're doing that now, so kill me. Um, but it's real interesting to see where magic players have changed their priorities to. Uh, modern has like halved in price. Uh, if you were holding onto that stuff this year, um, Legacy is doing fine. Dual lands went back up after a slump, which is pretty nice if you were sitting on those. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see where duels go next year with a channel paying some pretty high numbers last week or two weeks ago at this point, I guess. Um, it's just going to be interesting to see what happens next year with the dual lands because they, they stop for a bit and then they go back up. And so it was nice to see a good return on duels. Um, and you got a good return on stuff like Forcible as well if you had opened those at Eternal Masters and just waited like a couple weeks. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see where all this goes. Uh, EDH continues to be strong. People continue to uh, flock to EDH recs, stuff like that. Everyone's sort of crowdsourcing uh, data to see what exactly they're going to buy out. And other than that, standard is very bad for everybody. And the fact that you can get $70 booster boxes until the end of the year now is obscene. Uh, that's, and same with Iconic. This was the closest to Chronicles that we've gotten in terms of supply. There's people selling out like 130 pound shipped, $140 shipped in America. It's just uh, it's just crazy to see how low these boxes have fallen. Yeah, if you were uh, a fan of the cast and supported our sponsor at CoolStuffInc.com, they had boxes for 150 shipped and there was like a five percent off coupon or something that you could use to make it about 143 to get a box so i think this is one of the big failures in terms of making money if you're a shop but it was really good if you wanted to get some cheap singles or just even draft a box for basically cost which is really good for more casual players uh, however whatever you open probably didn't make your box back so I'm interested to see where Iconic Masters singles go. We picked up a ton of Misha's Bobbles at 350. They're already starting to bounce up. 
Uh, I sold into the hype. I think they go back down a bit as more boxes get opened up from this Black Friday wave of $150 boxes. So I think we're, we're seeing a small rise because TCG and other places got cleaned out for Black Friday. It'll go back down a bit and then it'll start rising again. But if you wanted a quick return, it was real nice to be able to flip Mishra's, uh, buying it like three and a half and selling for six and a half. So seems seems good. There's nothing really else I think we missed this year, unless you guys want to talk about something I forgot. The Hascon promos were a really good investment. If you got those, originally people thought that, you know, no one would make money because there were too many. And now people are selling Grimlock alone for $160 on TCG, which is obscene. That is kind of annoying. Yeah. I think I should sell mine. The flip side of that is SCCC promos are just keep getting worse and worse. Yeah, that's another good point, Travis. We saw a notable decline in, in card quality across many supplemental products, including the SDCC stuff. So, so it's interesting to see. Ixalan was spoiled ahead of time, which uh, did not help standard enthusiasm either with that sheet. And yeah, standard was just really not a good place to put your money in this year, besides specking on a couple cards. I don't know about you guys, but we had an obnoxious amount of cards to pull today uh, in terms of just online sales. Um, obviously, that's boosted. Like we um, we had like a, a coupon code uh, for our web store, so we had a lot of sales through that. Um, obviously, with how much eBay and uh, various channels, TG Player, they have all the the bumping eBay bucks, ten uh, percent credit kickback, etc. There was just an unbelievable amount of cards this morning to pull. Uh, it took way longer than usual. Uh, numbers were definitely up, but it, proportional to how well uh, how many cards there were, it doesn't feel like the the total like sales amount was that much higher. But it just feels like a lot of cards are definitely cheap right now. Uh, it, most orders, it it looks like it, it, this is purely speculative, of course. But I'm, I'm just looking at some of the orders like most of them felt like they people were trying to be as cheap as possible and um and more or less just kind of grab cards are bottoming out to keep for themselves didn't really see much in a way of like oh you might be buying this for someone else or you might be buying this um for a spec or something it just felt like people might be buying just sniping one or two cards trying to maximize a coupon code or something just to finish up wherever they need to finish up um, rather than some, sorry, rather than like some of the big orders that we've seen in the past, you falling, um, teach you put kickbacks or whatever. This is as, uh, anecdotal as it gets, but I did sell two. uh, what's the rat ninja Lord. I forget its name. Uh, guys, a, a, a promo and a release foil recently together to one vendor or to one person. So I assume that was some lady buying her kid rats for Christmas. <laughs> hopefully uh he doesn't find it or like if his sibling finds it and uh, they rat him out on what they bought that would be real bad that was terrible <clears throat> thank you As opposed to normal uh, yeah uh yeah so that was really interesting uh let's go with let's transition into uh our credit winner of the week i guess our final credit winner of the year jim you got a question for us sure i have a question from Johnny Duan, I guess is how you say that. 
I don't know. People need to have last names that are easier to say, or at least give me more confidence and in the four way. letters. Yeah, but like, and one syllable. Go on. Also, that's it. If you actually cared, you would just Google the damn name ahead of time and look up how to pronounce it. I could, however, uh, as you can see from our chat, Jeremy asked uh, ten minutes ago to find a question. I only noticed one minute ago, so I didn't really have time to do that. Um, so he says, what kind of sales data can you see on TCG Player Pro as a seller? Are you able to see sales data for particular cards when it is sold, quantity sold, and for what price? Or is there any site tracking that information? Most places only seem to track the current prices, but not the sold prices. Uh, I don't have TCG Player Pro, so I cannot tell you. I have, I do have the regular TCG Player um, seller account, and I can tell you, though, that it does tell you the um, price of the last sold copy of a certain condition if you go look for it. But I don't know how accurate it is, and I don't know how quick it is to update. Uh, officially, I've not been a fan of TC Player Pro. It feels very, very limited in functionality. Um, not to bash on what they do over there, but felt like they were a little rushed to get the product out. Um, for big volume sellers like us for most stores, I imagine they would share my sentiment that as much crap as we give Crystal Commerce about how <clears throat> their servers are slow, like a very basic function doesn't work, there's problems syncing, there's problems overselling, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Crystal Commerce just provides so much more functionality compared to TC Player Pro that I think kind of the industry consensus is that I, we would rather stick with Crystal Commerce right now until TC Player does make a few more. Uh, TC Player Pro does make a few more advancements and make it a little bit cleaner, a little bit easier to use. Um, yeah, mainly because the things that we do value on Crystal Commerce, uh, being able to seamlessly sync to eBay, to Amazon, all these other third-party platforms. That's really what we're looking for, and that's kind of the basically level one that you basically need to be hitting. And it doesn't feel like TC players quite there yet. They have a little bit more to, um, they have a little bit more to add on before it becomes universally accepted as it were. Um, so in terms of like what those things provide, I can't really tell you again, mostly because so much of the, the data entry uh, order processing, all that stuff is done directly through crystal commerce. I Honestly, don't think we really use TC Player Pro for anything anymore. Um, I know there was kind of a trial period where we basically had a small subset of cards that were specifically on TC, TCG Player Pro. And we were kind of playing around with that, but I think that's kind of fallen by the wayside. I think we're just kind of, we're just trying to focus on something different right now. And we've kind of chalked up Crystal Commerce as whatever fails today, we just have to deal with it. We just have to kind of adapt, make do, and just kind of move on because we just have other things to address right now rather than trying to deal with, oh, what's the best e-commerce platform that we can come up with? Anything you want to add, Travis? No, I don't have any insight into this because I don't have TCG Pro either. These guys said everything I could have. Yeah, I have TCG Pro. That sums it up pretty well. Um... I mean, I don't know how many spreadsheets they use over there to keep track of stuff. We only really use it to keep track of uh, price points. Sorry. Any better? Nope. No, you sound like a robot. Okay, be right back. He's bourbon. He's bourbon.
probably put his phone back underneath the how do you know whatchamacallit because that's what you do every time every time you're not supposed to oh is this better now actually no it's not that type of issue you just sound very distorted Bombs your face keep going then oh snap sick burns there travis Mm-hmm. Yeah, shut up, Jim. Uh, where do we go from here? I don't remember. Uh, we could do some questions that Ed hasn't answered. Yeah, that's a good one. Viewer questions are probably popular. Let's do those. Ed, you should find us a question to answer. Does, Ed, does Ed know where the questions are? Well, he's the one that answers them all. All right, one second. <clears throat> Let me pull up Gather Magic here <clears throat> on my super slow internet. I will also, uh, I forgot to mention, uh, Johnny, if you get a chance uh, to claim your $25 in store credit, please send a message to me on Facebook, uh, at the Cocktail Aristocrats page, or on Twitter, and I will get it to you. Find one you like. Still bad. Uh, <clears throat> oh, let's see if I can just knock these out real quick in my. Hopefully, short answers. Hey, gang, what are your favorite specs that ended up panning out for different reasons than those you originally bought it for? Uh, none. For the most part, I think, like, I like as I discussed previously, every single one is a standard, standard mythic. I'm basically looking at everything as a quick flip nowadays. Um, I don't really look at anything in terms of long-term prospects anymore. Uh, we we kind of went over that a little while ago. Um, I don't really want to hold on to cards long term. It's basically whatever you buy in a card for. You just I just want to make the margin. If it spikes, great. I made a larger margin. If it doesn't spike, I just need to accept and move on. Um, no point in kind of dragging it, dragging down on that. <clears throat> sure, Jim and uh, Travis, they probably have a bit more of that luxury. You guys are probably fine sitting on cards and waiting for larger specs. But um, with how big of a uh, a problem cash flow is in, in this industry. I I think sitting on cards is just a way to slowly just choke yourself to death and you're just going to inevitably end up with more inventory than cash and that's how a lot of stores go out of business. Technically, my spec hasn't failed if I haven't tried to sell it yet. That's my perspective. It's very healthy. Very good idea. I mean, I'm just like not a big fan of holding things long term because of how many reprints they're doing recently. Like it's a, it's a great thing if you want to buy and play with cards, but it's a pretty crappy thing if you're trying to hold on to them and hope that they go up. It's great, yeah, but they need new money. Most people already own all their cards. No, and I I don't disagree. I, I'm not saying that what they're doing is bad. I'm just saying that it changes what you have to do in order to make a profit. If you're going to buy a card to hold on to it for two years, well, that you run the risk of having it reprinted and having no value if you're gonna buy something like if you're gonna buy like some ixalan staples now and hope that they get support in rivals of ixalan you're more likely to be able to flip it for a reasonable amount of money in the short term but if you try to hold on to it until after it rotates or whatever like there's no there's no guarantee that it doesn't get reprinted even cards in standard have gotten reprinted in supplemental sets like register alpha is in the explorers of ixalan Multiplayer box. That's a card that just got printed like a month and a half ago. You're missing one very important part of the equation. This was the first year that we had standard showdown packs. 
And that really added a ton of supply to the foil market, a ton of supply to the regular market, and quite a few masterpieces in the beginning as well. So it was just basically shops didn't have to, you know, pay to open boxes and then charge customers the correct price to get their cards. We were having this artificial amount of cards introduced just by the virtue of showing up to events. Did they uh, say one way or the other whether they're, con- they're continuing those? I mean, it, it, they just put out Black Friday ones, so I'd assume that we're getting some for Rivals of Ixalan. Yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, I wouldn't have expected them to end them. I was just wondering if they had said something. Yeah, it's just a good thing to keep track of. Any other good questions that we should answer? Boy, no one has anything to say this uh, this week, huh? Uh, I mean, we kind of mentioned how MTG Finance is just kind of a, a, a slow this year. There's just not much to talk about. Nothing's really interesting. Standard's pretty stagnant. Modern's pretty stagnant. <clears throat> um, there isn't much going on. Uh, this, I mean, the, this question. Sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. Go. Go, no, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, has enough time passed since TG player changed their two dollar minimum cart per store policy to conduct a retrospective would it benefit sellers if tc player bumped the minimum again um i was kind of a fan of this uh obviously as a store it's really annoying to see that like that order that comes in for basically a dollar and you're basically just losing after fees plus uh plus a stomp uh stamp envelope um top loader etc um like honestly i I think the order should like should be something closer to like five. It makes it much more feasible to be listing a lot of small cards. Um, but I can I, I do sympathize with people where you know they need to buy like you know a playset of commons for to to round out their deck or something, or that's all they happen to want to buy at the time. Um, so I, I do sympathize with those people. But I, again, I don't think those people realize that whenever they place that order, the store is basically losing money or pushing or breaking even. Um, I get uh, like ten times the amount of two point something dollar orders on TCG than I do like anything above five dollars, and I'm basically just buy listing cards at that point for good feedback. Yeah, like it. It just becomes super tedious to have to do a bunch of them. Um, I again, I realize like a lot of people, you know, they're probably just like you know doing what I'm doing, just sitting at my desk, just thinking like you know, I grab a stack of cards, kind of thumbing through it. It's like, oh, I could use three more copies of this just so I have a full playset, and you know, they just want to pay the one dollar or whatever. But the amount, uh, it, like it's really not worth it for for us especially once you kind of hit the top tier of feedback it's just like this this doesn't do anything for us we're basically just giving these cards away in hopes that you're we're driving enough volume that you'll see to our website or through our ebay store it's like oh i need these cards i might as well buy something that actually has a real amount of value to it um as well that's basically what we're hoping for so I would like to see the minimum go up, but I can see a lot of reasons from a consumer perspective why like $2 is probably fine. Anything else that you guys want to add before we move on to some spicy questions? Uh, uh, I actually personally run into some issues with that $2 minimum where like I wanted to buy a card that was about $2 and it wasn't easily like I, I needed something to push it over. Like it was like one ninety seven or something or like, 180 something and I needed to find an extra card to push it over but sometimes 
especially with smaller stores, like probably just like people selling whatever they have in their house, your options to add other things is sometimes just not like reasonable or not possible at all. Like I've seen people that have had like a single card listed for for less than two dollars, and you could literally never buy that copy of that card, but it, it negatively affects the prices of other people's cards because technically you could never buy it, but if you go to list your copies, if you want to list them at like a penny less, yours might be able to sell, but theirs can never sell. So like someone could list like a glory bringer for like a dollar ninety nine and have nothing else in their store, and it looks like the lowest copy of that card is a dollar ninety nine, but you could actually never buy it. And that's the thing that I really don't like about it. Is like there's some gaming you can do if you have a store that you're not actively using to mess up other people's prices. And I'm not saying that anyone's doing that. It's just like I it's a thing that I've noticed. Like I tried to buy a copy of a card from someone because I wanted all the copies that were like about two twenty five or less, and I just couldn't buy some of them, or I had to buy like a random bulk foil for like twenty seven cents because I needed to get over two dollars when stuff was like pretty close to two dollars anyway. Travis. Uh, I was going to basically sort of semi-agree with Jim. Uh, it is a little annoying when you want to place an order and you like, oh, the cheapest copy of this card that's a dollar cheaper than everybody else or whatever, like is not enough to meet the minimum purchase and you just can't buy the damn card. Uh, and then they don't have anything else in their store that you need. And like you're either stuck buying garbage cards that you're going to throw, <clears throat> that you're going to throw in the recycling bin uh, as soon as you get them. Or you, uh, it, you just didn't do anything with them, or you buy the more expensive card because, um, like you just can't get that one. I don't think people are gaming anything with it. I don't think it's malicious. It's just annoying as a buyer those minimums. All right, you guys ready for some uh, some fun questions that were asked on Twitter to round out the uh, the episode with fun questions? Sure. I'll take that as a yes. It depends on whose uh, definition of fun you're using, because your definition of fun and my definition of fun are not very similar. Mr. Lubufu asks, aside from the yearly review, uh, you guys should either do a big picture prediction for 2018 or a hot take for 2018. So my question is, what is your MTG Finance hot take for 2018? Uh, the return, return to Dominaria set will be the best-selling set of all time. Travis? Ed's supposed to go before me. Ed was supposed to go for before uh, me, too, but I wanted to get mine in before someone took it. Uh, Bitcoin is going to become more and more ubiquitous among stores. More places. Will There's a question it. about that. Stop, stop at... No, no, no. Hot take not related to crypto. We'll get <laughs> to that. <laughs> oh, my God. I have nothing now. Um... We don't need to know about your personal life. It, it what, will, what would you call what would you call magic based cryptocurrency? Would you call it like Planeswalker? Um, I don't know, Jace coin? Jace coins? Jace coins, yeah. Blockchain Maybe. lightning. Ed, we need a hot take related to magic. Uh I'm really curious to see how master sets play out from here going forward. A hot take, not your opinion. <sighs> I I have nothing. I don't know. I give up. Travis? I, I, yeah. Uh, mine is that hot take does not mean what any of you use it as and in fact is the definition of the term requires that it is a uh 
differently. There's a moral component of the usage of the term. So asking us about our hot take for magic for next year doesn't make any sense. That's my hot take, Lubufu. Okay. Uh, my hot take is that we see vendors run out of money by September to vend GPs. A substantial amount of them. I have a good one. Vegas is going to be way worse than any of the prior ones because people are burned out on it. And That's a cold take. Two years is way too, or every year is too much. Yeah, I'm ice like, cold. Pretty sure I'm not going to go. Like, I don't see any reason why I'd want to. So yeah. that means that if you want to see Jim, you have to pay his ticket to go. I mean, you're not going to go because you're getting married, right? Not in August or whenever it is. Like, it's Wait, during the summer again, right? The existence of the wedding, I mean, it's time and money and that type of thing. I mean, even if I wasn't getting married, I still think I would go. Like, that's, it's, besides that, that strain on my time and money, I just, like, I don't feel like I want to go again. I don't want to go to Vegas every year. It's, it's not enjoyable enough for me to want to spend my money going there every year. Hot take, Ed will actually beat the casino this time. Did you end up down against the casino, Ed? I think last time overall up, but I have I've had like some super swingy sessions, so it's always super swingy. All right, and then the next question, which we'll let Ed talk about nonsense for an hour. Um, let's see where'd that go. At done the math, Byron King asks, "What is Bitcoin betting?" Because remember, regular listeners have no clue what's going on if they don't follow our Twitter. Ah, uh, God. Basically, <laughs> basically, Jeremy, Jeremy and I, uh, long story short, bet. I'm saying that Bitcoin will hit $25,000 per um, by October, whenever Jim's wedding is. He, and uh, if you're right, what do I have to do? If I'm right, Jeremy has to pay for my plane ticket to Jim's wedding, buy me a suit, and he has to walk around in Orlando for the duration of the non-wedding part wearing a shirt that says, rub my head, get Bitcoin. So that's if Bitcoin hits 25000 by Jim's wedding. And what if it doesn't? If it doesn't, uh, I have to pay for Jeremy's ticket to the wedding. I have to buy him a suit and I will shave my head on an episode. On the episode? Book your tickets, ladies and gentlemen. Where? Where are they booking their tickets? I don't to watch that specific episode when we shave Ed's. Uh, yeah, head but we don't sell room. tickets for episodes, so literally that statement didn't make any sense. Either you were inviting people to my wedding that I didn't know about or didn't authorize, or you were inviting people to come <laughs> watch the cast that they don't need tickets for. Aww. So basically, Ed and Jeremy bet that money would be worth money, and one of them thinks that money will be worth more money than the money that the other one thinks the money will be worth. That's the gist of it. Yes. So uh, if you want to see a freshly shaved baby Ed head that rhymes, uh, wait until October of next year, because I don't lose in this situation either way, and Ed does. To be fair, even Ed's friends, when I talked to them, questioned that he was making a one-to-one one -one odds bet because they said Ed normally wouldn't do that. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm intrigued by Ed's confidence in this issue. So we will see.
And of course, as we start uh, as we start rolling towards the end, is there anything that you guys want to share non-magic related for our listeners about, you know, what's going on over the winter or like how your year has been outside of magic? Uh, sort of like an after hours thing, but we're still on gathering magic. Are we not doing any picks? We're not there yet, Travis. Oh, well, it's 745. I was just asking. Jeez, people these days. Travis, you go first. How was your year outside of magic? Well, I got married, uh, which is pretty cool. Today, my wife went and picked up a half growler of rare beer for me because I couldn't go from work. So that's a nice, nice little bonus there. I recommend them doing that for you. Uh, I'm mostly glad to have that large financial weight no longer hanging over my head. Really the most valuable piece of magic finance I can give you is don't have a large wedding. Uh, And if you absolutely have to, there are tricks you can use to minimize the cost. For instance, you should see if your bride-to-be is willing to do different dresses for her bridesmaids. They can be the same general shade, like all purples, but they don't have to be the same dress because if they're not the same exact dress, it means you don't have to put your groomsmen in the exact same suits, which means that you can let them get suits that are in similar color. And then one guy can rent one if he doesn't have a lot of money. And another one who's got a little more cash can just buy a nice suit that fits the color pattern. So it kind of makes your life easier as a guy organizing all of that. So just some some su- suggestions like that. Uh, overall, aside from America being uh, thrust into the dumbest timeline and a 80% chance of all of us dying in a nuclear hellfire, other than that, it was a fine year. Jim? Um, my year was is going to be similar to Travis's next year. Uh, I got engaged at the beginning of the year, and I'm getting married at the end of next year, so... I'm in the process of planning all of the things that he already planned and paid for. Um, uh, it's not fun. I don't recommend it. Um, but you should only have to do it once, so hopefully make it count, I guess. I don't know. Uh, this year for Magic has been pretty fun. Um, uh, there's a lot of cards that I like that came out this year, so I'm glad that the quality of the set design is still up there, but... I feel like I hope that next year they dial back on the number of products they release or like people just realize that they can't buy them all. Um, but I don't know. I don't know what else to say about that. Like reserve list cards. I hope that that eventually goes away because they're just prohibitively expensive. And um, I'd like to own some of them at some point in time, but the more expensive that they get, the more likely I am to just sell them and, you know, pay for some of my guests to come to my wedding or invitations or some shit. I don't know. Um, my year's pretty good. Hopefully my next year is better. Ed? Uh, all in all, it's been a pretty good year for me. This is like my first full year on the cast. Uh, so I definitely want to like give a shout out to everyone who has approached me this year. Like who? Uh, I don't remember anymore. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was like the sickest. Hey, Ed, but you don't know anybody's name who said hello to you because you were working. What? <laughs> uh, like, I, like I assume that they come up to you when you're working at a booth and you don't have like the time to sit down and have a whole full blown conversation to like form an emotional connection with them so that you remember their name. They just say hi, I like the cast, and then they go on their way. I feel like I've given people their fair like 
share of shout outs or whatever on the cast. Um, back to my original point before I was rudely interrupted by Jeremy. Uh, it was very cool to see people from uh, all parts of the world. Um, it's it's worked out well for us. Uh, I've had people from all around the world reach out to me for for various deals, needing cards. Uh, they came to me for whatever reason. Um, so business wise, I I have to thank them for that. On a personal level, again, I think it's very cool that people actually listen to what I have to say and apparently enjoy what I have to say, as odd as that sounds. Um, it, it was great to be able to like meet Jim in person. I crashed at his place back in March, I think. I think that was when GP Orlando was. Um, it was great to go to Travis's wedding. Uh, it, it, it was definitely a very different dynamic. Um, it's been a pretty wild year. I think uh, looking at all the events I've done, I think I was on the road something like 30, 35 weeks this year. Um, it's it's been a real roller coaster. I'm not really sure what next year is gonna hold in store for me, um, but I enjoy I enjoy what I do. Um, I think this is this podcast is one part of being able to just uh, kind of share with people what I do, and so it's just kind of a glimpse of this is what the day to day looks like. It's not always the most glamorous. Sometimes, you know, you're stuck at a TGI Fridays cause you missed your train by two minutes and had to wait two hours to get the next one. Um, and sometimes, you know, you get to travel around the country, hang out with friends, have a good weekend, throw away money. It's a good life. Yeah. Uh, I've been stuck in school all year. I'll be stuck in school for years to come. Uh, Books are my future. Uh, we got to meet a lot of like cartel super friends at Vegas, which was really cool. Uh, I think Colin Menjevitz drafted like every cube draft and like tried to make it to everything that all, like even GPs that weren't Vegas. He's been at like every GP I've seen him and said hi. And I, I know he said hi to Ed, which is pretty cool. Uh, George Tudor is like another big fan that like interacts with us all the time on social media. Uh, he's helped us out a lot behind the scenes with stuff. Um, who else? I don't know. All my regulars listen to this cast, so I'm not going to mention any of them. I hate you all. Give me more money. It's uh, pretty much it. So, I don't know. My, my favorite thing is when my regulars tell me how much they enjoyed other finance casts. That uh, That is always fun to walk into work. So, thank you for that, guys. That's why I wore a BSB shirt for tonight. Uh, do they tell you they like anything other than BSB? Because BSB is uh, not a finance cast. They're a Magic Lifestyles podcast. That is the only one that they tell me about that is the superior podcast. That because a lot of them is superior? Yeah. Like, I literally will have 10 people, because it's EDH night right now, and they're watching this live while they're playing EDH. And so when I walk in to buy a collection after that, they're going to tell me how great BSB is. Because there's like 70 people in our shop right now for EDH. Well, That's Jason and Corbin like are amusing. <laughs> yeah, shout out to 2017, the year when Doug stabbed us in the back. Uh, thanks, buddy. You left the, the top of Broadway for some high school show. Really appreciate that, but we did pick up Ed, which is cool. Uh, for Man, those of you I who have, I can't tell who you insulted more with that statement. Like, 
Yeah, Doug, you left. I'm not bitter or anything. We got Ed, I guess. We uh we started this cast in December of 2015 uh, with Doug and Jim and Sig, and then Sig's audio fell through, so we'll see if we can get him on next year. It's been two years, uh, and he hasn't forked over $10 for a microphone. To be fair, it's been a year for Ed, and he just bought a microphone. Oh, I bought nice about that. If anyone noticed an improved audio quality from Ed tonight, he finally spent money on a camera and a, a microphone. He did not buy a uh, pop filter, though, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been a pretty good year for all of us. We've all made some money. We've all lost some money in Vegas. We've all endured the hellfire of a desert in Vegas. Uh, yeah, it was a pretty good year. We and all thanks for listening, guys. on the way to Doug's wedding. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much it. Yeah, that shouldn't have been that hot for you. Yeah. I mean, I, I live in Florida, but I live also in the air conditioning. There was no air conditioning on that bus. Wasn't the most pleasant. All right. Well, let's wrap up the final cast of the year with our picks of the week. And Ed probably still is not ready. So Ed, your final pick of the week for 2017. I'm like 95% certain I've picked this one already, but I'm going with uh, Liliana <laughs> Test Majesty. I already had the spreadsheet open, but I so I didn't bother to click Control F. <laughs> uh, Liliana's Death Majesty. Um, it was it was a lot higher when uh, Model Black Zombies won the Pro Tour back in Nashville. Uh, I there's been a bit of a resurgence in a Model Black Aggro deck. I think that was highlighted on tcg player maybe i can't remember but i think it had it had put up decent numbers at a recent grand prix um it's one of those cards where if we do type if we do see a mono black aggro shell or something again which has kind of always been, been a fan favorite wizards have been a, a little aware of it of it since uh, mono black devotion basically destroyed standard two year uh three years ago um but if it does well, it's one of those planeswalkers that it's well costed. I think it's it long term. It does have a lot of casual appeal. Um, it's probably going to bottom out right now. While for its lifetime standard, if mono if mono black wherever does make a resurgence, it might it might go up to ten dollars again, kind of back to where it was when Pro Tour National happened. If not, it'll probably slowly trickle down. Then if it has enough cat. Uh, casual appeal and people like it then it'll probably stabilize a little bit higher than where it's at i think it's very safe to pick up a few copies if you need it for standard there's no downside worst case scenario you'll break even when it rotates or whatever jim uh so i think that my pick of the week is uh utvara hellkite that card has been reprinted in Commander 2016, 2017. What year are we? 2017. Sorry. Uh, it's like $1.50, and it's like pretty much the most ubiquitous dragon card in any deck that plays a lot of dragons. Uh, it could get reprinted again, which is unfortunate if it does, but this is the kind of card that if it misses a couple of times, like just twice in like a heavily dragon-themed set, it could be... Five six dollars again, pretty easily. Um, a lot of the other dragons in 
the dragon themed decks like uh scourge of valkis got reprinted twice and um dragon storm got reprinted twice in and they lowered the rarity in iconic masters this is one of the ones that they didn't reprint again so it's a card from return of Africa, i believe which means that it's probably if it, if it missed this time like i can't imagine that next time they're going to be like oh yeah we need this dollar 50 mythic rare dragon in the set so that's my pick um it's hard to like pick anything this time of the year because i think that everything is still has a little bit to go down um usually the cheapest time of the year to buy cards is at christmas which is like still almost a month away i guess that gives throws over to me uh this is a card i just stumbled upon about an hour ago uh aloro the wait what's his name aloro ageless ascetic has a judge promo um came out a while ago currently about 15 dollars. there are less than 20 copies on tcg player under 20 bucks and then like two more over 20 and then they're gone uh it is the he is the like fifth most built commander in edh ever so you've got a very popular general uh with the busted effect of doing something from the command zone uh the only foil copy they'll basically be the only judge foils most likely or there won't be that many more that show up supply is pretty low uh i mean it doesn't seem unreasonable that this would be thirty dollars oh and there's my lovely wife uh and if not 30 then possibly even more my pick of the week i think i called oblivion stone last week at three dollars which is already starting to pay off i forget if i called that or if i called the uncommons from iconic masters um my pick this week is probably going to be where'd you go i just pulled you out um no i pulled it out so that i wouldn't forget why do i do this to myself Ah, you're still talking about magic right yeah Thanks, Ed. My pick of the week is Caracas. It's starting to go back up in price. Um, this is a pretty easy reprint candidate for like Modern Masters uh, or like the 25th edition or something. But I think it's going to start to appreciate a little bit towards the end of the year and start going up with uh, more legacy tournaments next year. Uh, the The floor is starting to rise a little bit. Uh, the copies that have been sitting on TCG player for a while are starting to disappear at that price point. So it's just something I've noted that uh, we might start to see a, a price change as it, as it moves on. Uh, this is not related to the 10% sale on TCG. Those copies had disappeared before TCG and other places had their Black Friday sales. So it's just something I've noticed that there's becoming less and less copies of Caracas out there as Eternal Masters starts to dry up. So that's uh, that's pretty much it. You guys want to say where people can find you guys and, you know, I guess not find us in December, but where people can find your socials to follow you in December? Uh, I'm at at Edwin13 on Twitter. Uh, You guys can see me probably in Madrid. I'm uncertain on that one. Uh, For people that want to see me one last time this year, I will have a booth with Kerwin's at GP New Jersey. Uh, I will probably spoil a hot list on Twitter the day before or maybe the Wednesday before, even if I'm feeling ambitious uh, for people that want to bring us cards. Uh, people have any questions. People can always message me in advance about things that they want to dump or whatever. Uh, to wrap it up, it's been a really fun year. I do appreciate everyone listening again. Uh, I do thank the people that do come out to see me at these events. 
And uh, I hope to see you all back in 2018 with more uh, crypto-related wisdom. Jim? My name is Jim Kasai. You can find me on Twitter at PHROSD underscore. Uh, I'm taking a break from writing for the holidays, so you will not be able to find me anywhere else. Uh, you can maybe find me at the Winter Classic this year. I will be in New York City at City Field watching the Rangers hopefully destroy the uh, Buffalo Sabres. That was a shot at me. You clearly don't know your mark because I could not care less. <laughs> it, it wasn't. It's just who they're playing. No. Uh, I kind of enjoy it when all the Buffalo teams lose because then everyone's really mopey and pissy the next day and it's easy to needle them. I'm not very nice, though. So. I mean, uh, it, it's, it's, really, it's really a weird thing because Buffalo's the home team despite them playing in New York City because of like some weird tax evasion things that they get. For, work, for having all the home games at Madison Square Garden. Okay. I'm Travis Allen. I'm on Twitter at WizardBumpin, B-U-M-P-I-N. If you want to know more about improving society and less about magic cards, I'm a very good Twitter follow, uh, but don't come looking for stock tips every day. I write for MTG Price every Monday. I do the MTG Fast Finance podcast. And if you like playing magic, check out Scry.land. Find magic in your area. I'm Jeremy. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Missouri MTG. We have a legacy 5k scheduled. So if you guys want to come out to that, I'll be vending that uh, as well as TOing it as well as everything else required with running a tournament. Um, I have, I will probably not be that active on social media. Uh, I have a billion things to do for school. So I will just be in the library um, and then I'll be out of the country. So you probably won't hear much from me towards the end of the year. Uh, you can follow cartel aristocrats on uh, Twitter at cartel underscore finance. You can follow us on Facebook at cartel aristocrats. You can follow us on gathering magic at cartel aristocrats. You can follow us on SoundCloud at Cartel Aristocrats. And guess where you can find us on iTunes? It's at Cartel Aristocrats. You guess that right. Thanks for listening to a uh, another sweet year of this podcast. We do appreciate it. And I am not going to mess up the ending to this one for once. So with that being said, thanks for listening. We appreciate you. And may the most you wish for be the least you get. Have a good one, guys. Bye-bye.